Holly. Hey, Dave. How are you today? And I well, ask that because when you hear our special episode, there is a female voice that will be missing. And why is that? Oh, Dave. I was so bummed. The reason you will not hear me on this episode, the What Difference Does It Make podcast, is because the day we were supposed to interview the Brother Brothers, I <laughs> lost a tooth. <laughs> I was literally toothless in the front, so I couldn't present myself to the Brother Brothers. So Dave took one for the team and did the interview himself. All right, you're leaving out a lot of details. You're, you're burying the, the lead here. So teeth don't <laughs> just fall out. Okay, if you must know the whole story, I have a crown, had a crown on my front tooth, and I bit down on a fork while I was eating lunch. The crown just popped out completely, sheared at the gum, and really couldn't present myself to anybody, but I got into the dentist immediately. I begged and pleaded because you can't really go anywhere. There was nothing to put the tooth back onto. So now here I sit with a temporary bridge. So if I'm lisping at all, forgive me. All right, so do you have the tooth? What happens? I, I don't know. You had a tooth. You showed it to me. I, we'll probably put it up on our Instagram page. Yes. Where is the tooth? And does it go back in you or do they... I have no idea about dentistry and how it all works. Oh, no. Because this was a crown and it was attached to a little stub of a tooth underneath. And there was a rod in my gums really, you know, holding it together. And it sheared off completely. So there's nothing they can do to put a crown back in my mouth. In fact, that day, the day of the Brother Brothers interview... The dentist had to surgically remove the roots of my tooth. So I have a hole in my gums still, and he has to make a bridge that will go on in where the tooth is and will attach to the tooth right next to it. So that crown couldn't go back in my mouth. There was nothing to affix it to. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. So well, it was perfect timing. I've had that one for 15 years. You're okay, though? Besides you being toothless, you sound like you're talking just great. Thank you. Don't look too closely because it's really not, it, it's kind of hideous when you look up close, but I'm okay. There's no pain because I had already had a root canal years ago when I got that last crown, so there was no pain except for the pain medication he was shooting into my gum. So no, I'm okay. It was just sore, and I'm okay now, just waiting for it to heal. So he can take the impression and I can get a permanent bridge. And that's, then I will beautiful white front teeth. That's wonderful. Okay, so as we mentioned that your front tooth is missing, you how would one see that if one was a, just listening on their favorite audio platform? One can see Holly's missing tooth unidentifiably. So you're not going to see my face with it, but trust me when I show you my front teeth and one is missing and I'll show you the tooth itself, you can find it on our social media, WDDIM podcast and on YouTube at What Difference Does It Make podcast. All that and more. <laughs> that sounds great. But you're good now. Everything is fine. You will get a new tooth eventually. I will have a new tooth probably in a month. A bridge, not just a tooth, a whole bridge in a month. And you missed out on the Brother Brothers. I'm so bummed to have missed the Brother Brothers. We had them in the garage, in our hot, hot garage, and uh, they were troopers. They've got a new album out, and it's a covers record. The album is called Cover to Cover. They've picked a lot of their favorite songs. All right, so enough chit-chat, Holly. And you know, everyone <laughs> knows to follow us on YouTube so you can see what she looks like. Holly's good. We continue. We go on as, <laughs> as per usual. We're going to jump right into the actual garage studio with the Brother Brothers on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank all, you. Right. all right. Yeah, we got uh, the Brother Brothers are here. Oh, yeah. And David and Adam. First things first, who's the oldest? 
I guess I'm older. I was born 30 minutes before he was. Okay. And that's why you got the name Adam. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Didn't your parents ever say like, I guess whoever's first, they would have named Adam. Yeah. Okay. It was and then the second king of Israel, right? That's right. Yeah. So number yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. So you were both from Illinois, right? That's where it all began. <laughs> and I'm, I just bring that up because your your album is called Cover to Cover. Yeah. And this is about songs that you grew up listening to. Is that correct? Uh, it's songs that we really liked. So some of the songs we did grow up listening to, but some were recently discovered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but they have yeah. shaped us. They have shaped you. Okay. So a lot of times, um, even though my partner Holly isn't here, we talk about how parents sometimes can overdo their influence on their kids and just sit them down and say, you have to listen to this. This is really important. Yeah. This is something that means a lot, but just kind of play it over and over and over. Was there those songs? Did you have those? We had, yeah, I mean, our father, I mean, like, you know, you drive around and you listen to the radio. Your parents have the radio stations that they like. My dad liked to listen to the oldies stations. He had a few CDs in the car. The CDs were the Kingston Trio. We had a, a bunch of Beatles CDs, mm-hmm. um, mostly... Well, we had the white album. We had the red compilation, which I'm not sure. We had the red that, and the blue one. They were like two album oh yeah, sets. They weren't past masters, but it was. Yeah, the red one was the first one. It was like uh, 64 to 66. And then, yeah. and then I believe the blue one was 67 to 70. Yeah. And I don't know who chose what songs to put on that, but we knew those real well. It was just kind of, you know, there was like the CD player and about before it was. It was like cassettes. There was like three cassettes in the car. And then at some point it switched to like, you know, six CDs. And that those would get changed out every once in a while. Yeah. But we got to know those pretty well. The Everly Brothers. Okay. Yeah. So that was a thing. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Was your dad a musician? No. Just okay. an appreciator. But limited, like, okay, folk music. Was he a college kid in the uh, in the early 60s? Yeah. He was like a... I mean, I think of him as like an average music consumer where he just like kind of liked some stuff and he wasn't like an, a music inhaler. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think one of the things he appreciated about my mother that attracted to him, him to her, was that she was musical. She was a performer. She was in theater. And she sang. So he used to really love to go watch that. And he shows the same kind of interest whenever we play. You know, he oh. loves to see us play. So oh, OK. What yeah. about so musical theater? What uh, what musicals did you guys love? Well, another of the albums that were in the car were uh, Cats, I remember. Lay Miz. <laughs> did you like Cats? Uh, my mom liked Cats. I did not. I kind of hated it. I mean, we were <laughs> we were also eight, so. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We, we didn't, you had we opinions. Didn't, yeah. You should have opinions. We had opinions, but we didn't have like, you know, we weren't like discerning haters yet. You know, that came in high school. Yeah, well, before of course. We started. Yeah, the, of course. The Lay Miserables album, or like, you know, soundtrack, whatever you call it. It, it is three hours long, almost to the minute. And we would drive to Chicago up to one of the suburbs of Chicago to visit our mom and aunt and uncle when we were younger. And we'd pretty much leave the garage, put that tape in, and it would play all the way to Chicago. And we'd listen to the entirety of Les Miserables. And by the time it was over, we were there. So Adam and I and our probably our whole family know like almost every word to that play. That musical. So that has, I think that has also shaped us a little bit. I can't imagine how it hasn't. Yeah. And where in Illinois did you grow up that was uh, three hours away from Chicago? Peoria. Peoria. All right. And what is, Pe- explain Peoria to me. Everyone, right. Everyone always says, you know, it's 
does it play in Peoria? Yeah, it's a classic. Three hours from a big city town. Yeah, where it you know it was an industry town. It was a caterpillar town. Um, it caterpillar town. I don't even. I oh, don't know. caterpillar is the the people who make the tractors. Okay, all right, right. Tractors. Okay, so literally, so, yeah, yeah it was literally a caterpillar town, and then it also has a really strong medical industry. There were a lot of hospitals, but it has a history of being the vaudeville test town. So when acts would come from New York, they would come down. They would test their act in Peoria, and so if the Peoria audience liked it then they knew it would play everywhere because people in Peoria were just regular people. They weren't quote-unquote discerning like, you know, a Chicago audience. You, you wouldn't get the regular person, you know, right. or a New York audience or, you know. I mean, I feel like there's tons of towns around America, but Peoria had the right size population, I think, Okay. so that they could survive. Yeah, so it literally meant. That's no, like... Metaphor, it's literal. We actually kind of got to see that happen because we were pretty heavily involved in the touring Hades Town performance. Are you familiar with Hades yeah, Town? Yeah. So we were the violist and the cellist in the touring septet of Hades Town before it even got picked up off Broadway. And so when Aeneas was shopping this hour long album to Broadway, yeah. which was obviously her dream who doesn't dream that i went to a workshop and like i saw this because it was really intelligent it was really smart there was a lot of like things assumed you kind of had to know about the orpheus and eurydice play and then you know they were like oh no this has got to play in peoria you got to spell it all out that's like the whole thing you got this is for people who don't know anything which is a weird thing to think of peoria but like this is for the tv audience this isn't for you know the literature audience yeah. so adam you played which one played the viola and which I, one Adam, I played the viola. Yeah. I played the cello. And that's David played the cello. Yeah. Nice. How did you come to the cello? There was a moment. We both started on violin. And there was a moment in grade school where we always tried to be different. You know, we always tried to set, set ourselves course, apart yeah. and whatever. Have our individuality. It was just this moment. I, I saw all the third graders playing cellos because we went to an orchestra concert or whatever. And I was like, wow, they look cool. I want to do that. You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. And the strings were further apart, so I thought it'd be easier not to hit, to be able to play one string at a time. And when you start no. playing it, yeah. They but are further apart, but it's still just as hard. The laws of physics string. still apply. Yes. There's a bunch of cello on this album, on I Will, playing the cello. I'm plucking the cello on it. Okay, so talk about I Will. That was a song that was played in the car. And yeah. Did singing come naturally to you guys? Or what, I mean, you, you hear these songs over and over, suddenly... You know, like all of us, you start to know the words, of course, because they're Beatles yeah. songs. They're just so catchy. We used yeah. to sing to an, an annoying level, I'm pretty sure. I think my parents okay. <laughs> loved it, but, you know, our siblings definitely Did wanted us to stop. Yeah, so we used to listen to the White Album before bed. We just That was like one of the tapes that was, mm -hmm. it just kind of lived in our stereo. And we just put it on every night before we went to bed. Um, we that particular know, song? Well, that album. The al the, okay, the whole well, album. Was, but we That's not necessarily a bedtime record. To make you yeah, lull you so. to sleep. No, it was it was like go to go into your room, go to bed, and we'd like get into bed and put that album on and listen to it. But we only had the first half. But just that song, we've we've known that we know that whole album, we know all the words, and we used to be able to just like know exactly how long in between songs, and we could start in the right key. Like we used to challenge ourselves to do that. Oh, you know? okay. So I will was just kind of a, a song that we sang all the time, and it was like oh we got to put we should put that song on there, and we you know recorded it real fast and. Didn't take much to learn it and arrange it, you know? It just came naturally. Yeah. Just have to act naturally. That's right. 
White Album is your favorite Beatles record? I think it's impossible to choose a favorite record. It's ever-evolving, I think, no, when right. it comes to... When, when it's something that you listen to all the time, you, I feel like you go in and out. And, you know, there's certain moments in each of those albums that's special, so it's hard to pick one. Did your dad ever see the, the Beatles at all? Or is he? No. No, I don't know that he was a concert goer. Yeah, we didn't go see a lot of concerts at all when yeah. we were kids. So as high schoolers... Yeah, I remember going to a Bob Dylan concert. Okay. I remember Bob Dylan and um, Brian um, Setzer Orchestra's oh, yeah. opening. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that was real strange. And that there was, was like a, two different audiences. Yeah. It was when Jump, Drive, and Whale was, was the Is that during the swing? Yeah. So the during the swing, swing time? So yeah. yeah. What was that like? Uh, 99. Late probably. 90s. Yeah. Corn yeah. or, uh, or, or Squirrel Nut Zippers. Which yeah. <laughs> take your pick. Yeah. Yeah. What did you listen to? Uh, what I'll were you guys? Choose Squirrel Nut Zippers any day. <laughs> what about radio? Was the um, radio influence I mean, to you or was you know, there was a very anti-rock and roll, anti-like electric guitar sentiment in the house. That was a pretty strong anti-that sentiment. So the people that we were hanging out with were very like very into like uh, Death Cab for Cutie and Smashing Pumpkins. And I remember we weren't, we didn't listen to that stuff. And I don't know why, but we just never got into it. But we were still hanging out with all of them. I yeah. kind of regret it now because I feel like I... I, I missed out on a certain aspect of, of our era of growing up and being an experiencing teenager. Yeah, um, I think that we were very involved. Like we had an acapella quartet, so we were listening to a lot of different, really dorky acapella, <laughs> like acapella groups because we were learning about it. So right. we were learning how to arrange, learning music theory, learning all that stuff. And then we were also, you know, theater nerds. So we were listening to theater all the time and all that stuff. And then we were also classical musicians. So we were really into classical music and learning all that stuff for whatever orchestras we were in or summer camps or whatever. And then on top of that, we were also really getting into jazz. And we got into Django Reinhardt and all that, like, jazz. And I just remember, like, anything that was on the radio was like, oh, this is crap. You got to check out Django <laughs> Reinhardt. You know, that's real music. <laughs> like, I, a, like a real winner. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I know you guys. We had lots of friends in high school. No, I understand. <laughs> because, I mean, I was in marching band, so yeah. there, we had similar discussions in high school. That was in the building with the theater nerds and the, the camarada, the you know the choirs and the acapella people. So well, who was the artist that you saw that like, oh, okay, this is your Beatles. Well, I, I think it's important also to, you know, especially in the high school time, to acknowledge our older brother's musical influence on okay. us too because he he got very into bob dylan yeah and zeppelin and you know the, the classics grateful dead and all that stuff so we definitely and fish too and we went down that that oh, the jam jam band okay yeah i forgot did, about did you that guys was also quite the influence was the was the fish aspect and the jam band aspect did you jump in the van and follow fish every time i was like ah oh, 
I can't. I gotta practice. Is that? <laughs> it's, okay. it's always. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I can take a take four days off. I gotta practice. I, I get that. Although you did go to one of the first Bonnaroo's. I did go to one of the first Bonnaroo's. That's correct. Were you one of the mud people? Oh no. No. no <laughs> okay. I, was, I don't know. I don't know what I was. But no, I didn't. I didn't. Was I there, didn't dive in the mud. Was there a band that, that you? Why'd you go to Bonnaroo? Why'd you agree to go to that? If uh, well, you know, it was with the masses. Like a, it was more like they were packing the car, and I walked up to the house, and they were like, "You want to go to Bonnaroo?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> this was in college too. Yeah, yeah it was okay. in college. during the summer. We just drove there, you know, it was in Tennessee. We drove in one night. We like we left in the morning, got there at night. We, I think we left from Chicago and picked up some people up in Chicago. It was a full car. Did you and bring your guitar with you? No, I didn't play guitar at the time. I didn't play Re- guitar until I was in my 20s. Really? Yeah. Okay. But we went and James Brown was headlining and I saw Flaming Lips and Modesky Martin and Wood were playing next to each other and I kept pointing oh, back. Yeah. Back and forth and it was... Man, those bands are so cool. That, and that was a really special time. That was a special thing to see. They're fantastic. We are talking with the Brother Brothers, and we will have more talk and more music right after our break. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast with Dave and the Brother Brothers. Okay, so even though you guys did not have the Bonnaroo experience, apparently yeah. you guys were still uh, close-knit yeah. siblings. I mean, yeah. Because yeah, we, you went to the same school, you seemed to enjoy the same music. Did it occur to you that maybe we should play together? I or? mean, it kind of occurred to us the entire, you know, our entire existence, but you have to take into account maturity level, work ethic, and, you know, life Apparently, David had the work ethic. He he was blowing off, uh, you know, he didn't go to places because he had to practice. <laughs> well, Adam didn't go places because he had to practice, too. Okay. I might not have gone to Bonnaroo because I was practicing. Who nice. Knows? Okay. No, I think I was a camp counselor at the time. <laughs> yeah, but, that's right. Um, I think you were. We had always considered, you know, making music together. But, you know, starting a band takes a lot of work. You got to, 
you know, know how to book gigs, you know, how to navigate the music industry and have to know how to record. Support each other. Yeah. You know? And then also we would have to get along. So there was a certain maturity that needed to happen before we would not kill each other. You're aware of uh, siblings in, in bands and uh, their history? Yeah, we're very aware of yeah. the trials and tribulations that brothers have had. I'm sure it's always brought up to you. Yeah. My favorite Everyone, is... Everyone's always looking for red meat. You're yeah. not going to get it here, buddy. <laughs> Do you know the Everly Brothers story? Uh, How they broke up? Oh, yeah. At Knott's Berry Farm? Do you know Knott's Berry Farm? The, the, story, the story that I know is that they came out and sang one song. One of them came and whispered in the other one's ear and then... <laughs> Up at, the other one upended a drink on their head, walked off stage, and that was it. I think it was something similar to that. Yeah, yeah. that's the story I've heard. Yeah, that's yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, there have been a few times where siblings have come up to us and been like, we've got a thing and we have trouble getting along and everything. And it's like, it's kind of cool to commiserate because we don't get along even though you don't see that stuff. Sure. And so it's cool to commiserate with other people and see that it's it's not easy, you know, and... It's any band. It's any band. But, but then you, kind of, but you, then have, you have your history of like when you were, you're harmonizing at six and like, yeah. oh, I can't believe, you know, this and is just when you, we were in the car, you know, you have like those moments. It's easier to leave something with friends than it is to leave something with your sibling. So you can sure. really try and you have motivation to really get through stuff when it's your sibling. You have an older brother. Uh -huh. Who else do you have? I have a younger sister. Oh, okay. Can you bounce things off them and, you know, can they be your therapist? Um, yeah, they, I yeah. prefer to have the therapist be my therapist. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a safer I'm route. Gonna, that'll be the poll quote. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That is, that's the title of the, of the episode. <laughs> the next album. Yeah. Is be There's your red meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk some songs that uh, you might have grown up listening to. So we are very close to Laurel Canyon. Right. You have a few artists on this album. There's yeah. Jackson Browns these days. Totally. Okay, so tell me, is this a kid thing or, a, or you discovered this? The first time I heard that song, I had just started playing guitar and I saw St. Vincent do a version of this song. But it was like, there's a Nico version that's really famous. Mm -hmm. And it was Nico's arrangement of that song. And she kind of mimicked that version. But I was just so transfixed because St. Vincent's amazing. So I learned that version. And then I, you know, went down the internet rabbit hole and was like, I was like, oh, Jackson Brown wrote that song. Holy crap. Then I was like, oh, Jackson Brown wrote that song when he was 16. Holy crap. And then I learned his version. And then I learned Nico's version. I learned this version and that version. And well, I didn't like learn them, but I, you know, in sure. ingested them. And so this would probably, I would say that this version on the album is kind of a conglomeration of all the different versions that I learned. I got different ideas for how to do things on the phrasing and the chord structures and stuff from all those different versions that I really loved. And that brings up another interesting point. I mean, covers are tough. You don't want to be an impersonator. You want to mm -hmm. have the Brother Brothers yeah. version of this song. But, you know, a lot of these, like these days, it's embedded in a lot of people's brains. Like that's like a great yeah. version. How do you find your entry point? Well, I'll just say this without trying to sound very hippy dippy. There's a certain point where like if I wrote a song that I've got it arranged, it's recorded, it's done. And there's a point where it's kind of stops being yours. Mm -hmm. You're just you're learning it from a different place in your brain than the place that you wrote it from. And it feels exactly the same for me to sing the Robert Earl Keane song, Feeling Good Again as it does for me to sing any song that I've written because they're both in that like long-term memory part of my brain. I think once they get there, they become yours or they become not yours or whatever it is. And so then you kind of have a version that is your own. Boy, that sounded really hippy-dippy. I've been out walking. I don't do 
too much talking these days, these days. These days I seem to think a lot about the things that I forgot to do. And all the time I had the chance to. I also just want to add that, like, I think it's super important to us, especially now and in in this world where we're like looking at Instagram and looking at TikTok and like seeing everybody be cool and everybody judging and everybody ripping each other apart for being a certain way. Like, I think what we've been really trying to tap into recently, I think we did even when we started the band, but now we're really having to dig in because there's so many different places that we want to be or people that we want to, you know, resemble because that we're impressed by. But like, we're really just trying to be ourselves, being mm-hmm. ourselves. So like, we love these songs and like, we're going to sing them the way that these songs that we love feel truest to us. And like, we try to act the way that feels truest to us, you know, like just being sincere and honest with who we are. I'm finding that that's the best way to approach basically any situation in life is just be yourself as hard as that is, especially yeah. living in LA. Well, sure. That brings up someone else from Laurel Canyon, Judy Sill, another Laurel Canyon artist, not well known, but who's, I'm sure you're obviously very familiar with her work now. Yeah. Just a unique artist who was, she put it all out there. And how'd you land on There's a Rugged Road? First of all, how'd you discover, was this from your dad? Our friend introduced us to Judy Sill. I had no idea. I don't even know how long ago that was, but probably yeah. five years ago, maybe now. Yeah, yeah. But we discovered her. She turned us on and... We just inhaled it. You know, it's so good and it's so cool and so unique, the story behind it. I get annoyed by, like, people's need for, like, the story to define good music. But, uh, you know, that's I guess it's a very human thing. But, like, when you ingest her music, it's just it's so deep, especially knowing what she was going through. And so this song in particular? I think some of them, there wasn't really a decision. It just was the one that just seemed right. Mm -hmm. But... It's also, she had a way of putting gospel music into her, all of her songs, or at least most of them, mm-hmm. and talking about religion a lot. I think that was just her lens, but I don't know. This one's just really, really cool. I don't know. There's a rugged road on the prairie, stretching all across the last frontier. There are strangers strive, solitary. Blessed is the lonesome pioneer Roll on, roll on, roll on Night birds are flying, come on The light is gone, hope slowly dying Tell me how you come riding through Still surveying the miles yet to run On the long and lonely road to kingdom Two Jewish boys singing a song about that kind of stuff. The, path to, the righteous path to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Who spoke? Um, what was the one? Yeah, Jesus. Uh, Crossmaker. Uh, Crossmaker. Yeah, yeah, I could have done that one. Yeah. yeah. It really did seem like that would be the one that would transfer best with the two of us. And the band really did a great job on it, too. Okay, so who is the band? 
you've had some, a number of guests, but talk, first yeah. mention the the band. The, the band the is on bass is Jeff Picker. For most of the songs, he had to take a day off, and he had his friend Michael Rennie come in, who is an amazing studio musician in Nashville. But Jeff is also a great studio musician, and he was touring with uh, Ricky Skaggs. But he was an old New York friend of ours, and until he moved to Nashville, now he's a good Nashville friend of ours. <laughs> he's just an amazing bass player and can do anything. So we were really glad to have him in there, and he really was additive. And then the drummer, his name is Matty <laughs> Meyer, and he's just one of those. He's always been around, and he's played with a million people, and he's just awesome. So one of my favorite artists is Sarah DeRose, and apparently... Yeah, yeah we're good buds. You're good buds with her. I yeah. saw her at the Troubadour, like, uh, I was at that the show. You were there. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. She's yeah. like... She's like, so I won't get started on that, but that's great that you got her involved. So you can close your eyes is the song that you did with her. What was it about that song that was like, I need to do this and I need Sarah to sing this song with us. Um, Actually, the truth is that we kind of gave her a list of a bunch of the songs that we were going to (laughs) do. And she was like, I want to do that one. Just instantly. Yeah. She's a huge James Taylor fan. So close your eyes. I don't know no love songs And I can't sing the blues anymore But I can sing this song And you can sing this song when I'm gone yeah, And then so she th- also played mandolin on uh, Feeling Good Again. Oh, okay. Yeah, real keen. Mm. Who's a good Texas boy, and you know she's from Texas, so. and that's yeah. apparently he's apparently her dad's favorite musician. Yeah, so she, yeah, this was this was kind of kismet for her. I would imagine being in the studio with she's like an amazing musician. Got to rise to her level, or it must be. Or, well, yeah, we're I amazing too. So I, well, I know, straight. but she's, I, she's Berkeley <laughs> I mean, School, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool to watch just her just do just a few takes, and every take was different, and yeah, they were all just. Really, really good. Yeah, it was yeah, kind of. She's a total pro. Hopefully, we paid homage and breathed some different life into the song because it's uh, it's such an amazing sentiment. And it was also really cathartic to sing that song when we had really been so separated from everybody. And the song is just kind of about th- that unconditionalness when you really are around people that you love. And I think that's so beautiful. At least that's what I get from the song. We all have those people that no matter what it is, when when you're around them, you just feel good, and that's beautiful. That was also written. Uh, do you know who that, that was written about? Uh, Joni Mitchell, I'm going to guess. Yes, very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Just another Laurel Canyon person. So yeah, all right. <laughs> well, party on. <laughs> you have uh, Allison Brown, apparently, is also one of your, your good friends. She's an amazing banjo feel, player. I don't feel she's more of a, a hero than a, okay. a friend. Okay. Yeah, she's, she's also part of the, the record label that we made this album with. It was suggested that you need an Allison Brown type. No, that was our suggestion for sure. We asked her, but she was happy to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So having a hero in the studio with you, what's that like? Well, I mean, you know, in all of the years we've been alive, we've been pretty good at like learning that everybody's human and not to put people on pedestals. But when your heroes come into the studio and you see them work and do their things so effortlessly and just come in and be like, oh, yeah, cool, blah, 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 done. You know, it's like, wow. Wow. Yeah, nailed it. And it's also cool to see somebody be themselves mm-hmm. because that's who they are, you know. And it's like somebody you've listened to and you and you know that sound, and then like they just do that because that's what they sound like because that's who they are. And you're like, oh, you just 
that's you. Cool, <laughs> you know. kind of a fun little uh, song, Flower's Grave oh, yeah. by Tom Waits. Actually, I was just reading that. this It's the 20th anniversary of this album. He's re-releasing uh, oh. Alice. It's coming out again. Oh, really? What was your entry point into Tom Waits? How'd oh, you- man. Actually, my entry point into Tom Waits, to bring it full circle, was that the drive to Bonnaroo. Is that right? Was the song Orange Barrels and my friend Lorenzo. We listened to that album and Hail to the Thief which had just come out. So we listened to those two albums about four times on the drive. Those are Bonnaroo albums. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But that was kind of my introduction to Tom Waits. And, you know, there was a... What was your thinking of that? Like, so first time you hear... What was the album again? Was... Well, the album, I don't remember the name of the album, but okay. it was, but you it was hear, after that. But you, know. you hear him and your ears perk up like, I oh, was, this is something. Well, the interesting thing does. about Lorenzo was that he was kind of the, one of the OG hipsters. He was like a hipster before the, the word existed. Mm-hmm. But he, anything that he like would be really into, you would kind of be like, just give it time because he's right. You know what I mean? Okay. Not about everything, but. He wasn't just screwing around and listening to crap. He was listening to things that were good. And so far, just, I think just about anything he ever like showed me was one yeah, of those he turned me on to the Animal Collective. Yeah. Blew my mind. Yeah. You know, right? Tango, I think. Yeah. yeah. He knew his stuff, you know? And so he was a really cool guy, and he was a great artist and musician as well. So he's a good person to have around and a good person to have on, on the road trip to Bonnaroo. <laughs> so how'd you discover Adam? I remember... Vividly, I was living with this guy in San Marcos, Texas, named Fosco Jones, who's now a preacher. He was like, oh, yeah, something. He had this record collection, and he was like, Tom Waits. And I was like, oh, man, I don't really like country music. And he's like, oh, Tom Waits? Because I thought the name Tom Waits sounds like a country singer. Sure. So That's funny. And so yeah. I never gave him a shot. And then he played me uh, the song, and then it has the same song in a completely different style the, on the B-side. I'll think of it. I can't remember. Is it, is it like up. from Frank's Wild Years? Is that it? Yeah, I think it's Frank's Wild Years. Okay. He, and that was like his thing. He was like, oh, check this out. Look at this <laughs> crazy thing that Tom Waits did. Straight at the top, yeah. So on side A, it's a rumba. Mm-hmm. And on the end, side B, it's like a Vegas style. It's yeah. so cool. Talk about two different songs being the same song. Talk about a cover song. Right, right. Right? Covering yeah. himself. And we... Uh, Black Rider is probably one of my favorite albums. We wanted to do November, but we had like three different of his ballads. We were going over. Someday the silver moon and I will go to dreamland. I will close my eyes and wake up there in dreamland. Tell me who. 
don't like country music huh? no uh, that was a me at the time uh, i was about to say let me yeah <laughs> when did you discover country music well see that's a very difficult question okay, yeah. because country music is such an amalgam of a term that's like me saying i don't like rock and roll right, okay like even pop country music has something to appreciate and it took me a long time to not have an opinion about something because i heard somebody that i thought was cool say something and i was like oh i think that too now that's kind of the problem with being young, you want to look smart so you don't ha- actually make opinions. Sometimes you just hear them and regurgitate them. My journey to, to loving country music was through the bluegrass genre. Mm. And then bluegrass leads to western swing, western swing leads to country, and country leads to All Toby Rose. Keith, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Good now you love yeah. Toby Keith, huh? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> love, a, I love a good song is <laughs> really what right, I Right, right. It all comes yeah. Adam yeah. loves George Strait. I do love George Strait. I mean, I was looking at, you had uh, some people I know came out in October of 2020, and then four months later, Calla Lily. Is that, uh, was that right? Is that, uh, it said January of 2021? Some people I know came out in October, and then- Of Jan- 2018. Oh, see, on Bandcamp it said 2018, or 2020. Definitely mm. not. Oh, you know why? That's a long story, but it got put on Bandcamp in 2020. Oh, okay. But it, it was released in 2018. Okay, I was looking world. at it going, wow, okay, so this yeah. pandemic, really. <laughs> if you'll see, that's a three-year span. Right, yeah, that's so, what I was wondering. What yeah, happened? well, the pandemic got in the way of us releasing Calla Okay. So, yeah, we released it. And that's why we made the covers record now, is because we released Calla like, a year ago still, but, yeah. you know, it's it's pandemic, so we didn't want to put out another original album. Right. We wanted to have, you know, something to contribute, new music, but not... You know, we didn't want to give people too much original music to ingest. Okay. You know? Yeah, I gotcha. If you're going to play one song, could, this is not a cover song, although it's called On the Road Again. Could you Absolutely. whip that one up? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, three and. Oh. Could it be, could it be, I'll never stand up taller? Could it be, could it be that nothing's gonna change When the muscles around my brain start to make me feel insane I think it's time to get on the road again Could it be, could it be that I am getting older Could it be, could it be that everything is changing I look over my body and the lines upon my face And I think it's time to get on the road again Well, my 
my lord, oh my lord, I am the great denier. My lord, oh my lord, is all my love in vain. Though I shouldn't think of sorrow when I'm standing in the rain, I think it's time to get on the road again. Oh my lord, oh my lord, believe me, I'm no liar. My lord, oh my lord, there's no one else to blame Like a deck of cards at a local bar I've lost a couple faces And I think it's time to get on the road again On the road I've always got the sun over my head And the moon ain't been nothing but a long and lonesome friend When I think of all the miles behind and the sky that's up ahead I think it's time to get on beside the fire come on come on like a moth into the flames oh my heart commands my lungs and hands and it beats for what it chases and i think it's time to get on the road again i think it's time to get on the road again i think it's time to get on the road again That sounded pretty good. I, th I think it worked. Okay. Cool. I'll take it. Thank you so much for doing oh, yeah. this. This was great. Yeah. Uh, the album cover to cover. Yeah. The Brother Brothers Band. Yeah. yeah. David and Adam. Thank you so much. Thanks Appreciate for having it. us. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. All right. Okay, Holly. How'd I do? Okay. I, survi I, I survived <laughs> without you. You did a fabulous job. I hesitate to say this, but you might not need me. I, I desperately need, need hand-holding all the time, as you as you know. I'm assuming they're identical. They appear identical, but are they actually identical? They are twins, and that's all I will tell you about it, because that is all I know. And I know okay. Adam is the oldest, and David is the second. And they look very similar, and they're equally talented. Anyway, it was great. We had the band play. They were troopers to stick with uh, all my shenanigans and uh, whatever crazy questions i had about their upbringing there were some times like oh i need holly to, to jump in here but to get all the goods on the family right exactly <laughs> that, that's what i call on you for anyway it was great thank you so much to the brother brothers so i'd like to thank david and adam let's just say david first because you know he's probably always come second oh, adam and david adam and david this was thank you david and adam thank you to wendy brenford jones for bringing the boys to the garage and as always, thank you to Holly. And a bigger thank you to you than usual this week for carrying all the weight on your own. You really did a fabulous job. Also, a special shout out to Holly's dentist. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking care of her. It's very important. So uh, if you want to see more stuff, where can they find us? On YouTube at What Difference Does It Make Podcast. You will see outtakes with the brothers and a little ditty 
they sang for us in the garage and on social media at WDDIM Podcast. It's kind of cool to see an actual video performance of them and see my garage. So enjoy that. New episodes every Friday. So please subscribe. Give five stars if you love what you hear. And we are a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family. So until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.